Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. This is uh, Deb with uh, Media Night Radio. As everyone knows, we have a special guest, John DeVries from um, Crust Pizza Bar tonight uh, as our special guest. John started his career in the food and beverage industry as a franchisee with the Subway chain. After his experience with being a franchise owner, John became involved in the franchising side of the Subway business. While John was in Sydney, Australia, where he partnered with a group of individuals which owned and operated many fine dining restaurants, he became interested in racing. John became a driver in the Indy Racing League and Australian Formula Holden. He raced in the 2002 IRL season and competed in the first three races and arrived, but withdrew from the Nazareth Speedway race. He attempted to qualify. Okay, hold on a second. Okay. Uh, right, but withdrew from the Nazareth Speedway race. He attempted to qualify for the Indianapolis 500, but was not one of the 33 drivers who made the field. He returned to compete in the Chevy 500 at Texas Motor Speedway and logged his best career IRL finish, 11th place, which turned out to be his last IRL race. In 2003, John created his own Asian cuisine franchise. John contributes over 24 years of experience in the restaurant industry and will help make Crest a household name. John has graciously offered to give away dinner for two at Crest Pizza Bar in Studio City, California. So be sure to tune in and call in now, 914-338-1671, to get a chance to win. Let's welcome to the airwaves, John DeVries. Hi, John. Hi, Deb. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, thanks. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Um, well, John, you were born in New South Wales, Australia. No, you know, actually, that's what my Wikipedia and everybody says. I was actually born in, in uh, Northern California. I was born in San Jose, California. Oh, San Jose. Oh, yeah. so you are a Northern Californian boy. Yep. I was originally from Northern Cal, but then uh, moved when I was young to the southern side. Oh, right, in Newport Beach, correct? Yep, that's it, Newport Beach. Well, what what stands out the most to you about your childhood in Newport Beach or in the Northern California area? You know, it's when I was young, we actually my whole family's a bunch of athletes, and uh, my sister was a uh, number two figure skater in the world in 1984. So we actually moved to Southern Cal for her to train and me and for me to train because I played hockey, and then um, you know, so we really moved to Southern Cal because of athletics. So it's uh, and people think it's kind of crazy how a hockey player and a figure skater could come out of Southern California, but it's crazy because a lot of great athletes come out of here. And uh, so we moved here to, for both of us to train. Oh wow! So you were you were with hockey and she was with figure skating. Yeah, we were we were both on the ice and uh, and uh, my my parents my my dad came from a long background of. Uh, athlete in Amsterdam and uh, played hockey and so we both yeah we were we were ice rats. 
Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. That's amazing. And so she went and uh, she got hurt herself before the Olympics, and, and then I moved on and went to Colorado and trained to play pro hockey. Oh, now now what team did you play for? I played actually. I played in. Uh, I, I I played in. Went after high school. I left to play in a semi-pro junior league in Des Moines, Iowa, for the Buccaneers, and and then uh, I left there because I wanted to be in the business. I didn't think that uh, I wanted to make a lot, lot money, and so I gave up my 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 hockey career to go into business. Oh, really? Yeah. So wow. I left, in, I left in 1988. Or sorry, eighty five, eighty four, eighty five. I left and moved back to Southern Cal to go into business. Oh, that's oh wow, that's quite a that's quite a difference, huh? Yeah, you know, people are kind of crazy because I was in my peak of my career. <clears throat> I looked at my dad and said, "I'm quitting because I want to go into business." And I had been hit by a car when I was thirteen, so I collected some money. And during during my high school, I used to buy and sell cars and do everything I could to hustle to make more money. So I never had to work for anybody. And um, so when I was 18, I had enough money to go start my first Subway sandwich shop in Corona, California. Wow. You you are quite a, a self-starter then yourself, huh? Yeah. I'm uh, a little bit motivated, as they say. Motivated for uh, for the challenge. I'm up for the challenge. Oh, just a little. Just a little just bit. A, just a little just a little. <laughs> um, okay, so since you played semi-pro hockey, were you part of? Um, did you did you share in the excitement when the LA Kings brought the cup to LA? You know, it's funny because when I was young, I really I wanted to play hockey, but my my passion was racing cars. And um, I never, I wanted to be a race car driver my whole life. And my dad wouldn't let me. My mom wanted to let me. And my dad wouldn't. And my dad had the strong arms. So I could never, ever get out there. And so really, you know, I didn't, I mean, after I I retired from hockey, I really didn't follow. I don't, I mean, I like it and I watch it, but I didn't follow because I was, my passion is, 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 is automobiles. You know, I own a lot of cars personally and I love motor racing and, so that's where my 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 drive took me next in my career is I want to go motor racing. So was it really a big thing? Yeah, I watched it, but and I like it, but it's not my passion. Motor racing is. Got it. Got it. Okay, so you started your franchising career with the sandwich chain Subway. From the time you were a franchise owner to present, what has been the biggest difference you have observed in the business? You know, just just the changes from when I was 17 going to 18, started my first store, Subway, just the changes that have evolved in everything, in, in humans, and in, in, in the food industry really hasn't changed, you know. Prices go up and down, this and that, and, you know, a lot everything gets more expensive, and it's harder to, to, to really, um, you know, make a profit out there, and it is. It's tough. So the big, you know, really, it's a lot of, you know, work habits and people, and you know the different generations of of of, of individuals and their work habits and 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 how people you know, accomplish things and and just life. And I don't think that it's it, it, you know it's not really like I said we haven't changed the foods. You know there's different sectors of foods that have come in and out, but we all eat the same foods and um, they've been around. But it's 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 harder. It's just a lot. There's a lot more obstacles out there back then back to you know today than there was back then. 
for anybody right. in business. Right. No, it's it's true. I just wondered if there was. Yeah, you said that the food was not was the same. But you I know, just wondered. In, 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 in sense, it is. You know, there's a lot. Yeah, there's new ways of food coming out. There's new new techniques of of, of Mexican and pizza and 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 anything. But it's food is food. You know, it's you might okay. Sushi might be a little bit stronger now than it was 25 years ago, but it still was there. So it's not really the transformation of food. It's 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 still there. It's just the ways of people doing it, presenting it, putting it on a plate or not a plate, or how it's served from when it was, you know, full service to now fast casual where you walk up and order and then they deliver it to your table. That type of ways have changed. Other than that, food itself is is still there. And, um, you know, it's it's just tougher out there in the world. Right, right. Okay, so tell us about how you became interested in IndyCar racing. You know, this is a this is like a, a catch me if you can movie. And uh, in my life, I told everybody I'm going racing, and everybody said, you know, you're going racing. How are you going to do that? And as I got older, my you know um, better half was like, you're not going racing. You're too old. So I'm going racing. So when I was in Australia, I had to finagle a few things and make them believe that I was, I was a race car driver over here in the U.S. and 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 they gave me a chance. They gave me a test. And one day when I bought my suit, my helmet, and talked to a couple of friends that are in that race, and they gave me some tips. And off I went in the car. I'd never been in the car in my life. And all I know at the time, my wife was sitting there telling me, "You're going to kill yourself. What are you doing? You got everybody watching you to see if you have enough talent to to get a professional license." And I'd never been in a race car in my life. I've only been in a go kart. And I said, "What do I got to lose? This is my dream." I'm not stopping. I'm not letting anybody stop me from getting to my dream. And I jumped in the car from the knowledge that I read and talked to a couple of people, fired her up, and there I went. And, and, and no one knew but my, my wife at the time. And to be, lo and behold, after half a day, they gave me my super license in Australia to race anywhere around the world. And they uh, they all thought that I had many years of experience. So it was kind of kind of crazy way of of how I did it, but I always had when I was a young kid – in Southern Cali, I always wanted to go go-karting and race cars. I had a, a real passion for cars. I loved automobiles, you know, and I knew that I was going to own a lot of cars. I wanted high-end cars, and I knew I wanted to go racing. I liked everything speed. I'm, 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 I like fast planes, cars, boats, everything fast. So I knew it. So that's, that's really how I got interested in the motor racing side of it, and that's how I went. And my career started there back in 1997. Wow. What is what is the difference between the Indy Racing League and the Australian Formula Holdens? Australian Formula Holdens is like a junior league to to it's like saying um the minor leagues in baseball. It's it's more of a you know, a, a young for young kids that gotta grow through the system because you can't do what I did. I mean it's unheard of. But you gotta go through the system as a young kid, you gotta start at the bottom and work your way up and so it's really a net, the, the next step would be going to professional race car driving. So it's kind of Formula Holden, then it goes into the V8 supercars over there, which is professional. Or you go to Formula One in, in Europe, and, and that's what I, I to be you know, jumped right into Formula Holden because I said those are, the other kids are too young for me to be around, and they're too, um, it's too slow for me. So I went Formula Holden. And then, you know, IRL, Indy Racing League, is the real deal, professional. 
So in 2002, I tested out here in Southern Cal, and and they gave me – I signed with the team, and they gave me – I passed my rookie test, and off I went. Oh, my goodness. So, so it's, kind of, it's a kind of a crazy story how I got there from being in business to that, but there's a lot of similarities in, in, in how I handle my lifestyle and run, run my businesses and run myself as an athlete. Right. Now, from what I understand, you were in Australia when you had the opportunity to race, or were you in Sydney, Australia, doing some business? Yeah, I had moved over to Sydney. I moved over to Sydney uh, to Australia. I moved over to Australia in '94 or '5 to build, to take part of uh, our, of Sydney for Subway and build all the subways and help them grow the brand there. So I went there um, and and brought my business there first, and then the opportunity came about for me to uh, to to go racing, and that's you know that's where it started. That's where all the racing side of it started. Oh, okay. So you started you started in Australia and you came over here. Yeah. Once you okay. Wow. Yeah, I came with my racing career, started there and came here. <laughs> that's how the Wikipedia got everything and all the news about it is because that's it went from there to here. Wow. Talk about talk about accomplished. I mean seriously. Um is there any difference between, you know, being a restaurant owner in, like, Australia versus the States? Is there different, like, um, practices that they have to um, abide by in Australia versus the States? Or is it all pretty much the same? No, you know, there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of similarities, and but there's a lot of differences too. You know, a lot of the, their labor laws are very tough. There's like 120 or 110 different labor laws for you know because they go by age, they go by you know you, you know when the older you are, the more you get paid. Saturday, Sundays, holidays, everything's just completely you know different, and um, in that sense, um, restaurants themselves, the food. Pretty much, you know, same. You know, we eat their right. food, they eat our food. Um, right. But it's it's tough. It's really tough there because of the cost. The costs are just very, they're extremely high. It's very tough to make money. Is the rent for the buildings a lot more than it is here? Because, I mean, ours are pretty pretty steep too. But is it, what is most expensive about being a restaurant owner in Australia? Yeah, it is, the rent. The cost of the rents, the rents, the labor, the rent, the rents are the second, you know, highest, you know, rents in the world today, you know, and uh, you know here is nothing. Our labor and our rent here is nothing. It's it's it's, it's a dream, and um, and that's why costs are so high. That's why you know a pizza over there, you know, anywhere from seventeen, eighteen to twenty four dollars. Cup of coffee might be seven bucks. Whoa! Because they got to, you know, everything shipped in. It's it's an island basically. In the middle of the ocean, and so it's 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 tough. Everything has to come in, pretty much, you know, being imported and a lot of stuff. And so it's it like you know everything. Cars are there, or you know, a fifty thousand dollar car here is three hundred thousand there. Oh wow! So yes, the cost, the rent, the labor, they're they're extremely high. And like that's why I said it's a challenge. It gives everybody a challenge there to to make to make a profit. It's uh, you got to be really t- you got to be really a micromanager. 
Well, obviously you made it work because you were there for quite a while and you made it work some way with your partner. Yeah, you know, I, I work, you know, I, I have a model and I was as a kid and, you know, I, you know, there's, there's always a way. And like I've always said is that, you know, my, my, you know, my, my motto is that people don't fail to quit. You know, we don't, as humans, anywhere around the world, I do some public speaking and and speak to people and talk to young kids and and that don't know, understand that they there's, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and people quit before, you know, they just quit before they fail. They don't fail, they quit. Uh-huh. And, and, and I never have. And my family, everybody that knows me is, I'm not, I'm never, I'm not going down. You know, it's not saying that I haven't been, had some bad investments, of course. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm out there. I own many things, and but it doesn't mean just because you might be down, you're not out. And and in in the sense of that is same thing with the individuals. When times are tough, they quit. They don't they don't fail. They always say I failed. You didn't fail. You quit. So that's my in life and my business is, you know, you know we don't we we don't fail. We we always quit. And so I don't. And that's my, I have a, a drive for success and a drive to accomplish something. Right. Right. Well, that's a, that's a good motto to live by. So when you um, want something bad enough, you're going to get it. I wanted to go racing. I got it. I wanted to be in my own business when I was 17, 18. I did it. Okay, no, I mean, you know, along the way, you're going to get help. You need help. Everybody needs help. But you're the only one that can contribute to your success right now is if you want it bad enough. Right. Right. Um, can you share with us one of your favorite memories of the racing industry and and your experiences in it? Oh, I don't know if this is, you know, there's so many favorite favorite they're good ones, but I think it was at Indianapolis when I passed the the, the rookie test. My, you know, my first time through, I was second fastest there at my rookie test and I always said when I was a young kid I'm going to race I told my mother when I was young I'm going to race in the Indianapolis 500 one day mom and everybody looked at me like is this kid crazy and when I was in my late 30s or mid 30s I did it I got there I was on the track I did my rookie test I passed it I officially was accepted to try to qualify for the Indianapolis 500 I didn't make it but I qualified with everybody um, and I was there. I was. Um, I made. I made it to what I wanted to. Yes, I missed the show, and the race, which was my dream. But I know that you know what. At least I've raced thousands of miles on that track. I've been there. I did what I said I was going to do. Right. Right. Um, That's probably my favorite moment. Was when they gave me my certificate to, as a rookie to to be able to race in the Indianapolis 500. Yeah. I can imagine that that would be. Is there any? Is there anyone in? Um, is there any mentors that you have? You know, who mentored me is Alan Sir Senior. Alan Sir was my my rookie coach. Alan Sir Junior is one of my dear friends. Both of them, Robert Roger Pensky, who is, you know became a friend of mine and helped me in certain issues. But really, Alan Sir Senior and Junior were really my guys to go to when I was in the ruts at Indy. When I was trying to qualify at Indy, it was one of the hardest things in my life and to stay focused to really make the show you know one tenth of of a mile an hour and you'd miss the show so most grueling 30 days of my life in anything and i had to every day turn to them for help and those two guys are friends of mine for life and uh, 
they made my experience in the Indianapolis in indie racing. They made it, you know, just a wonderful time. Was there was there ever a, a time that you got you were you were scared that you obviously you know indie car racers they go really fast. I mean, fast is not the word for it. I guess you could say mm-hmm. um, insane speeds. Was there any time ever that you felt like, oh, my God, I'm going to buy it this time? You know, all I can say is that everyone says, you know, is there a fear? You know, when you know the reason why the older you get is when you get scared is when you got to get out. Because when you get scared of dying right. in, in motor racing is when you, you know it's time to leave. And I learned that, I think, at Indy when I got out of the car. Um, the night before when qualifying, the night before, I crashed in, two th- in in turn three in Indy, going 227 miles an hour. I spun, and, and it happened so fast that if you hit that wall, if I would have hit the wall, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be talking to you all right now. Right. And and I saved it from hitting the wall. At that point, I said, you know, this car's not set right. It's not worth it in my life right now to end up either dead or being paralyzed and being quadriplegic or whatever going to be. And and in that point at that one time I was scared. At that time I knew it was time that you know, I don't get back in the car. And I didn't. I didn't at that point I stepped out of that car and and and, and didn't because I didn't want to die. And so yeah, I got feared but then I you know, I missed it and and got back in in O three because you know, my passion is there. Wow. That's yeah. Talk about seeing your life flash before your eyes, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's you don't even have time when you're when you hit the wall, you're hitting it at 85 g-force. You know, F1 fighter plane flies at like six, five or six. That for a few seconds, we're pulling it. You know, that when you impact on the wall, it's 85 g's. That's your brain swells up instantaneously. You know, that's why you pass out. And I'm not. You know, by the grace of the man upstairs who saved me from hitting the wall at 227 miles an hour, um, I'm still here. And, you know, at that point, you got to make decisions. And in, in sometimes in life, what you, your passion and your drive, you know, has to you know take a step back from what needs to be done, you know, and your responsibilities in life. Right, right. Well, let's uh, let's. Let's talk crust pizza bar. Yeah, baby. Um, yeah, baby. <laughs> um, that's your newest venture. What made you decide to get involved with crust pizza bar? You know, when I was over, I got out of the business. When I built my own in 2007, I sold my company, got out. And at the end of the day, I said, I'm never going back in this business. So I've been in my whole life, 700 employees to zero. It was a great life, no employees. <clears throat> Had in my other company in the real estate business, making lots of money and uh, relaxing. I said, never going back in. And I actually went overseas and I went to Australia in 2000, late 2009 and it was raining. I was doing some public speaking. It was raining. I was underneath a, a, a carport and in the in a back of a shopping center. I looked behind me. I saw this crust, this, this counter with all these toppings and it was a pizza joint. I said, what's this? <clears throat> I told my vice president who was with me, I said, let's get a pizza. So we ordered just pizza. It was crazy how they did it. And I said, wow, we need this. This is America. And I told Cody, Cody, get all these people. I want to buy the rights for all America. And loved the concept. The concept was amazing. 
It was gourmet. It was quality. It was healthy. It was just everything was just, you know, really, really um, amazing how the brand and how it is and set and just everything. I couldn't believe it. And so um, it took me about a year and a half to consummate a deal with the group over there. And we finally did. And uh, that's all she wrote. Opened up our first store and uh, the first restaurant opened in Studio City May of this year. Right. And uh, we're there serving gourmet pizza right now. Now, um, what can you tell us about crust expansion plans and when that might happen? Or we got a lot of stores on the books right now. We just the reason why we haven't put out to anybody or that is because we had to get this, you know, bring the concept from Australia to here. We kind of, you know, it, you know, crust is predominantly a delivery takeaway business. It's been. It was born a delivery takeaway. No dine-in, small stores delivering a gourmet meal to your doorstep. It's something that nobody does. You know, there's pizza and there's Chinese food being delivered to you, but it's nothing gourmet. It's not a high-end product. It's it's not. And the always gourmet food is never delivered. You always got to go. And so, you know, they've they've mastered this over the last ten years. And so we brought it here thinking that maybe the customers would want to have some dine-in. So we created a dining portion, and we really were new to that. So we learned a lot. So the last three and a half months, we've taken time not to run out there and just throw up stores. We thought, you know, let's make it right here. Let's cater the menu, the pizzas, making sure our product is right, making sure the systems work and everything. And, and that's what we did. And, and, and now we've transformed a lot of our, our ways and our dining, our chairs and you know, some of the stuff that we have to now we're ready to go. So our expansion right now, we're going to go over to the west side. We're going to hit Santa Monica and Beverly Hills and West Hollywood, you know, near the, you know, near the Grove. Then we're going to come back over to the valley, hit Sherman Oaks, Encino, Woodland Hills, that area. Then our next, you know, step was going to be the Pasadena, Glendale, downtown areas. In the meantime, you know, we have fran- we're a franchise, you know, and uh, so we're going to sell the rights to um, many states right now. So we'll start building in Texas, uh, Nevada, Arizona, Missouri, Illinois, uh, uh, Georgia, Florida. We're getting ready next year to, to build out there. Oh, wow. Okay. We have, a lot on, we have a lot on the books right now. Yeah, it, sound, it sounds like it. Now, when... Because um, I know the East Coast uh, was asking for it. Um, in any chance it will be in New York and New Jersey and places like that? Yeah, we're going, right now talking to a group in New York City um, to build the whole city out right now, uh, mm-hmm. which will be really a huge push for us. In you know, being that you know, obviously New York is New York, and um, so I think that we are um, you know pretty close. Probably in the next three or four months, have a deal signed. For them to start building 2013. Okay, and wow, so 2013 is going to be a big, a big year, year yep. for Press Pizza. Mm-hmm. Big, big year. <laughs> well, you have led such a fascinating life. So, if you were to do a film based on your life, what actor would you choose to portray you and why? Wow. That's a question. <laughs> Al Pacino. Al Pacino. I love the guy. 
I think that, uh, yeah, you know, I love him. Or, you know, a, uh, maybe a Steven Seagal, maybe stuff like, something like that. Okay. And why? You know, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm. You know, when you look at me and you see me, my energy levels, the what, the drive that I have, right. the, you know, that I, I don't let. And like I said, nothing will stop me to do anything right. in life that I want. I have that, you know. I don't. I never wore a suit and tie. I, I dress the way I dress. Try to dress nice, but I'm just more of a, the, the 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 no tie, the the low key, the, the dress down look, and and I just. Just I'm 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 an animal when it comes to success and succeeding. What I do and when I want things, I want them now. I want to do it now. I don't want to wait tomorrow. Right. Huh. That's interesting. Well, I mean, if you if you haven't thought about it, you definitely should think about making a film about your life and a book about your life because it's we're actually we're actually in the works right now doing um the film and they uh, are they trying to do a pilot on a reality show. Um, more of a reality series about my life and my personal life and my business life. And and we have actually, I think, in 2014, the book's coming out. And everybody reads some, a lot of crazy stuff and uh, how it was when I was young and crazy. It's crazy that I'm still here, but I am, and I'm blessed. So you're going to read a lot of good stuff and probably things that people wouldn't believe that ever happened, and they did. But, uh, you know, I... I I just believe in never stopping. Yeah. What is what is the craziest uh, thing that's ever happened to you in in your careers? Crazy as in crazy good bad. Ah, you can take it whatever way you want. If it's bad, you can say that. If it's good, I think I think the craziest thing that happened, like scariest bad, is. After the riot, the LA, the Rodney King riots, I I had been coming back. My dog had been diagnosed to be put down, and I took her to a heart specialist in LA, and it was um, like right after the riots. And I was it was late one night, and I had to go back to Palm Springs, and so I took these back roads at night. And when I got to a stop sign, I got surrounded. By by about eight guys, nine guys, and they got me out of the car, and <clears throat> all I heard was put him in the trunk and kill him. Oh my god! And 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 I, I all I knew I was getting in the trunk, and all I knew is I seen two headlights turn the corner, and by the grace of God, the only car in sight it was an unmarked police car. Oh my god! And, and he looked at me and said, "You don't belong here, do you? That's your car." And I said, that's my car. He said, you need to get, they both cops said, you need to get in that car and get out of here right now. And they saved my life. Wow. And and, and that was probably one of the craziest things that, you know, I don't know if it was crazy, but it was, you know, it wasn't my time, you know. The Lord had me and, uh, you know. And then some of the other times when I crashed in Phoenix, I, you know, I went in the infield and almost crashed and uh, killed some of the fam almost. Instead of going, if I would have gone left, I would have left a lot of probably people not alive today, and I went right, and I went up into the wall and crashed and had a bad crash. So oh I'm kind of crazy God. things in my life, how I'm still standing here, and people don't even, my sister, my family, everybody will tell you, they don't understand how I'm still here, and I know how it is. 
It's because right. I was meant to be here to help people in life. And that's what I'm doing now is is through all my experiences in life, through my through just everything. Good, bad, wrong, right, everything. I'm basically now truly the drive behind everything to to build crust to be the biggest gourmet pizza content in the world and all this is is really to help people mm-hmm. and to build these I give a lot of money charity. I do a lot of things for underprivileged kids or terminally ill kids. I always have. So it's my drive is to teach other people to give them the opportunity to become themselves and what they want to do like I did when I was young. So you give and back. a lot of people and young kids don't have the luxury. So I'm going to teach them and I'm going to give them the opportunity. And I believe in that you have an opp- there's always an opportunity for everybody in life. It doesn't what race, what color you are, what religion you are, what sex you are. It does not matter. If you want something bad enough, you're going to go get it. So excuses to me are nothing. So I'm here to say, here, let me help you with some tools. Let me give you some of the knowledge and what I did right, wrong, what. See if I can help you go and accomplish your dream. Right. That's where my goal is now today. Wow, you're giving back from what you had. Everything goes back. I, I, I just, just the way I am. I hate to say it, but I'm just. That's a wonderful thing, John. That's a wonderful thing. Well, we want to thank you for spending this time with us. And as I said, you have a fascinating life. Anybody who um, definitely everybody should visit Crest Pizza in Studio City, Crest Pizza Bar, and uh, have a pizza. I know it's amazing. I've had friends that have gone there. Um, I know that uh, my producer and I are going to go there very soon. Uh, so everybody check it out and uh, give patronage um, to the uh, Gourmet Pizza Company. Um, let us know how it is and make sure you're happy. If, if something's wrong, everybody got to just get out there and let us know. We're going to make it right. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you, John. If uh, you would just stay on the line for a second, um, I'll, I'll wrap this up. Thanks, everyone, for joining us tonight. And um, thanks again, John, for joining us. Uh, This is Deb from Media Night Radio saying have a good night.